So what does he really want? You heard him yourself. He wants sanctuary. I'm not buying that. He gambled we would show compassion even to our worst enemy. He was right. Welcome back to Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Stuart Hollis. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 18, Serpent's Song. I like to imagine that the Serpent's Song is something by Whitesnake. Here I, go again. I was thinking of Trust in Me from Jungle Book. Trust in me. Ooh, toss-up. Yeah, I think you might be right. So, our synopsis from TV Guide. Mm-hmm. Pursued by an ancient enemy, the former Gould leader Apophis asks for sanctuary from his current adversary, O'Neill. See, the way that's worded, it almost sounds like he's asking for sanctuary from O'Neill, and not, like, sanctuary provided by O'Neill. Yes. He also doesn't ask. He very specifically demands sanctuary. I demand come on. Yes, I have a note about that, but we can talk yes, about that so after I. we talk about who wrote this episode. Well, first off, this episode was written by Catherine Powers, whom I believe we have spoken about before. She's written quite a few episodes, a lot in the early years, but she did continue to contribute scripts throughout the run of SG-1. Uh, she, uh, there's a bit of a mixed bag, because she wrote Emancipation. We've definitely spoken about her then. But she also wrote Thor's Hammer, so... Yeah. She's the one she also wrote for Star Trek. Correct. One and and her one episode was one that was the worst episode ever of any Star Trek franchise. Which was incidentally kind of similar to the plot of Emancipation. Except racist, yes. Okay. Go on. Who directed? <laughs> uh it was directed by and this is important, this was his his directorial debut on Stargate, Peter DeLuise, who goes on to direct more episodes of Stargate than anyone else. Yeah. So nice. that's important. That is. He will later become a producer on the show. He's he has a cameo in a in a couple episodes. He's yeah. He's sure. important. Yeah. He's a big guy in the Stargate biz. Yes, very much so. Indeed. Interestingly, the different language titles for this episode. The Italians just go with Serpent Song this time. No variation. Boring. Yeah. The Hungarians call it Hazardous Games, which is kind of cool. Hmm. I don't get that. Uh, it still makes more sense than some others. The French call it The God's Wrath. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the Germans have the perplexing name of The Fall of the Sun God. Which would work if Apophis was the sun god, but he's not. Right. The sun god has already fallen. Yes. Apophis is the god of chaos, actually. I had to look that up. I did not know that. Yeah. Ian Malcolm's favorite, Gould. (laughs) Yes, quite. So how about demographics? 
<laughs> when yes. he was uh, escaping from the Hatox. Uh, did you notice the movie reshoot? Uh, no, sorry, movie reuse. Of which? Uh, Death Gliders over the Sand Dunes. Oh. Uh, no, I didn't uh, notice that specifically. Apparently you did. Or I the Stargate Wiki did. The Stargate Wiki did. and the, I, I thought it looked familiar, but I didn't know for sure. I thought maybe it would be reused on the show. But, yeah, the, the Stargate Wiki definitely noticed that. I was curious about O'Neill's phrase, holy buckets. Holy buckets. I have that written down. What is what is that? <laughs> it's just O'Neill, man. Man, I guess. <laughs> I also wrote down when did Hammond meet Apophis, but the Stargate Wiki reminded me that Hammond meets Apophis in the very first episode. Yeah, duh. I was wondering, since when can Death Gliders hover? Mm. That that seems like a new trick that we'll never see ever again. How is it that Teal'c was the only one that heard the very loud Death Glider blast noise? Maybe it's only loud to him. Mm. Maybe he has super ears. That could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, the rest of the team, they're just chilling. You know, I'm surprised they didn't have, like, a deck of cards. It seems weird to me that you would chill on the steps to the Stargate. Like, I realize that you will get some warning before the gate, before the gate engages, but... Why tempt fate? Why hang out okay. where the Kawoosh is going to get you? Let's settle this right here and right now about where the Kawoosh goes. <laughs> Later in the episode, they they detect, like, the, 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 the gate starts getting an incoming wormhole. Because mm-hmm. it, it does, like, make noise and light up a bit, and then Kawoosh. Yes. And, they, and Hammond says, close the iris. Is it not automatic? And then the gate kawooshes. <laughs> yes. Which direction does the gate kawoosh? Does it change inbound or outbound? I don't think it does. It's the same kawoosh. Right. So why did the iris not get vaporized? Because it kawooshes out, correct? Like like, 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 towards the traveler. It does, but I think it's because the iris... Well, no, because the gate kawoosh isn't really a molecular materialization, so it's not like how it prevents things from appearing. That's a very good question. I have no idea. Yeah. And why is the iris not automatic? Why do they have to say, close the iris? Because otherwise it would get vaporized by the the kawoosh. (laughs) Should we chalk this up to the same thing, same sort of problem as them getting IDCs before the gate engages? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you do things in the interest of good television, but it's like, I don't feel like the television was any better served by not have, by closing the iris after the kawoosh. Yeah, and there's definitely inconsistencies about how long it takes for a gate to, like, happen. Yeah. Because some, there are other episodes where they're like, oh, someone's dialing in because they'll start to see the individual symbols light up on the gate. But that only happens sometimes. Right, well, not the symbols, but the... The, the chevrons. Yeah. That doesn't happen every time. Sometimes it just kawooshes into existence. So, does the... Stargate... Does does the SGC computer... The SGCC... Mm. SGCPC? Thank you. Does it dial so slowly just so the technician has an opportunity to say chevron 1 encoded? 
This is the only explanation I have, because why couldn't it always dial that fast? They just type in the whole address at once, and boom. Yeah, what did Carter do to 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 create the accelerated dialing program? Also How was this not felt like it took longer than it took for the wormhole to be reestablished the first time? Uh, you no, you're right. It did, and I've clocked it before. You know, dialing a DHD interests, but dialing a DHD takes like eight seconds. Yeah. And and like and if this is going to be like the second or third time you've dialed this particular DHD in front of your face, I bet you can shave that time down. And how is it that no one thought to try to dial out except Daniel a minute before the gate and the the wormhole ends? Yeah, seriously. And Daniel, why was it Daniel? Right. I, I like honestly like it. it, it it would have made more sense if it had been not Walter with that suggestion. It would have made more sense if it was not Walter. His whole job, his whole being is to, like, be into Sam and run the dialing computer. It also would have made sense for it to, for them to have thought of that before minute 37. Oh, yeah, totally. But hey, we, we do officially learn 38 minutes this episode. Yes. So, future knowledge, what was it that um, Anubis, what does Anubis do that bypa- that is able to break the 38-minute barrier? He has that funky weapon thing. So it's a very, very, very special weapon thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's okay. got, like, that whole planet and stuff. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Hey, Anubis, this is your agent. You're playing it way over the top. Can you get serious, please? So before we get too deep into the rest of the episode, mm-hmm. I think that the Iris closing, which should have been vaporized by the Kawoosh, was the Tokra Sagan box. Yes, it was. Okay. Because, hey, the Tokra are here. Mm-hmm. We have the return of Martooth. We do. And these other guys. Yep. I don't think they ever get names, do they? I don't think so, no. I don't even know if Martooth ever gets named. Lantesh gets named. Sam's like, oh, hey, Martooth. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah. There's something similar. I've forgotten Lantash's name, so I had to just simply jot it down that Wartooth. <laughs> is rather tactless. As in Waluigi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Martooth does, in fact, point that out. Yes, yes, he does. When he then says Lantash. But uh, as a return to our now three-episode running segment, Were They in the Dead Zone? J.R. Bourne, who plays Martouf, was in the Dead Zone. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Spoiler, so is an actor from next week's episode. And every episode for t- until the end of time. <laughs> That'll be amazing. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you, like, find out that, like, Amanda Tapping was in the dead zone, then there we go. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to avoid, uh, main cast. Okay. <laughs> I'm wondering if I should check out this dead zone, since apparently it's gotta come up a lot. Well, it's, it's, it's Monk, but Monk sees dead people. Sure, I yeah. see dead yeah. people. Like you do. Uh, right. When they are examining Apophis for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they come to the conclusion that the symbiote had been also sort of directly tortured. Mm-hmm. Sam has a flashback, and I'm really glad that that was basically the last flashback of the entire episode. 
because I feel like this setup was just like begging to be a clip show. Yes, it was. I was half expecting it to be a clip show, even though I knew that the clip show this season is still coming. Right. And so it's just like, thank you, whoever in the writer's room, like, put their foot down and be like, no, no. (laughs) Because, like, no, this one is so easy to set up because each of our heroes in turn, they go to Apophis to have their little chat slash gloat slash whatever and we could have had, like, you know, we could have had a throwback clip to Teal turning on Apophis. We could have had a throwback clip to Charay's child being born. We could have had one of like the SG One's first failed ambush against Apophis. Like, I mean, so many clips could have happened. That's very much the case, and I'm glad that they did because we will have another clip show this season, and I think they do it fairly well because the clips are actually relevant the fact that we are even seeing clips are relevant to the plot Uh, which episode is it this season what's it called out of mind is season two yes yes you're right so talking about how the synopsis is wrong and apophis doesn't ask for sanctuary he does not he demands (laughs) it multiple times right it has to be kind of interesting from the position of someone like Apophis, where they're in this cast system and they sit at the top of it. Mm-hmm. And now they're dealing with this people that have largely done away with formal cast systems. I mean, we still have a little, like, you know, some of that structure remaining. Uh, it's, you know, largely money and political power that determine one's cast these days. If it did, if it hadn't always, I'm not sure I wasn't around back then. Anyway, but the interesting thing of dealing with a people like all of whom make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't have a better word for it than effectively like sovereign citizens, even though that's a loaded term. Yeah, I'm not sure what a better term is though. It, yeah, like I said, I mean, it is loaded, and I definitely don't want to get too much into politics on this show i mean i think that most of our listeners who have stuck around for a while have a pretty good idea of where you and i stand on most of our political things and if you don't you know you can find us on twitter or email us and we'll have a discussion that hopefully is cordial i've been known to tweet political things from time to time i've been known to not tweet anything from time to time (laughs) uh i'm bad at twitter uh uh, yeah, it has to be. It has to be interesting from a positive perspective. Like, you know, I demand this. Too bad, you're not in a position to demand anything. Yeah, and that was Hammond's. And no, that was. I actually notated that. I'm like, why is he demanding sanctuary? How does that work? I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of like weird unwritten Gould rule where it's like, Gould, you know, uh, no, no, a Gould line, if you will. Ooh, nice. Uh, that says that like you can demand sanctuary from your foe and they have to give it to you until they get bored and decide to torture you to death and then bring you back so they can torture you to death so they can bring you back so they can torture you to death. Mm. And then bring you back. So they can torture you to death? Yeah, you know, ad infinitum. It's the oldest trick in the gold book. The gold, the gold book, as it were. Hmm. So by my count, we had four different names for satan dropped in this episode yeah basically he was the original satan and apparently 
a Saturday Night Live reference. Oh, which one? I, I think I missed that. Oh, isn't that special? That's uh, Dana Carvey. Oh, okay. So you took that as a Dana Carvey reference. I mean, I, I, I'm aware of that. Isn't that special? Yeah. Well, okay, because Church Lady, Dana Carvey's character, also yeah. likes to call everybody Satan. So. Oh, okay. With those two things combined. <laughs> they are Captain Church Lady? <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> when Teal'c and Daniel go in to talk to Apophis, and Apophis says he's yeah. not going to talk to the Shulva. Uh, that was Sam and Teal. It was it was Sam and Teal. You're right. And then Teal says something I forget what, and Apophis goes Shova Cree, as yes. if somehow you think that he's going to obey you. You even call him a traitor when you're telling him to right. obey you. <laughs> what is this? This is like some, uh, not to get too political, but this is some Trumpian level of arrogance here. <laughs> yeah. I liked all of their one-on-one interactions with Apophis. Oh, and I did have one other one. When what turns out to be the Tok'ra dial in, Jack says, speak of the devil, which I yes. also found very amusing. Yes, that was the third Satan reference. If we, I'm counting Sokar as one of the Satan references since he was effectively you know, the first representation. So of in this point, I, I can't believe that I never thought of using Sokar as a name for an iDevice. Yeah, no, silly Billy. I had to, I thought I was out of, like, actual mythological devils and had gone on to using the names of the Forsaken from the Wheel of Time. Hmm. Admittedly, many of them come from actual names for the devil. <laughs> or actual names for the devil come from them. Complicated. Yeah. Wheelie, weavy, timey-wimey. <laughs> right. So did you notice Teal, like, smirking? Through their entire meeting after they capture Apophis? Yes. That was amazing. It was. I did, like... The the final moment between Teal'c and Apophis, when Apophis was still alive, mm-hmm. where he is saying, there was a time though when you would have died for me, Teal'c. I was kind of hoping that Teal'c's reply would have been, and now it's your time to die for me? That would have been sweet, but how is he dying for him? His amusement. Hmm, Okay. Jack definitely took some perverse pleasure in going in and telling Apophis they were sending him back until he learned that it wasn't actually Apophis he was talking to. Yeah. Daniel took some perverse pleasure in telling Apophis that he knows where his child is. Yes. Yes, he did. Sam took no perverse pleasure from anything. Makes me sad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Instead, Sam gets her, you know, like her, like the one flashback from the episode, Sam gets flashback to Jolinar being tortured by the Ashrak. Ashton the Ashrak, yes. Yes. And her, like, when, when she's saying, like, I had a memory, like, you know. She's had a memory of, of Jolinar. Pain. When she was killed by the Ashrak. She she phrases it, init- phrases it initially as if whatever it was, it only happened to Jolinar. Yeah. But then she was saying, like, this was not like a torture device to extract information it's a form of execution and when the ashrak used it on us the ashrak had this device he used it on us it was meant to cause incredible pain which i thought was an interesting yeah shift which doesn't get explored anymore no it does not sad that's just how things go they're not always going to explore everything we will see flashbacks to jolinar being tortured again related to oh boy 
<laughs> so speaking of Sokar, mm-hmm. his center of power was Memphis. Yeah. I was really hoping Jack would say something. Something about Elvis being host to Sokar? Yes, or some yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, how 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 is Jack missing this opportunity? That was so very good for a Jackism. Uh, right. Like you know, like Jack's sorta of, like maybe he is being intentionally obtuse and doesn't know that Memphis was an Egyptian city? It's like sort of joke. It's mm-hmm. like you know, he could have like dropped like a Graceland reference or whatever. Yeah. Missed opportunity right there. Quite so. Kilk did raise his eyebrow when they said Memphis. Yeah, I wonder like I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was maybe it was supposed to be in reference to something else that Daniel had just said in, earlier in that sentence. Uh yeah, it could have been. It was or maybe there was gonna be a jack line that was cut. Mm, maybe. Oh. Oh. There is one goof in this episode. Just one? Well, there's one egregious goof in this episode. Go on. When we see Apophis's life stats or vital signs on the computer okay. screen. Okay. This is this is one of those goofs that only became obvious after the DVDs came out. Oh okay. yeah. Go on. Go on. In the upper left corner it says patient Apophis in reasonably large text. In the lower right corner under the picture of the skull, it says in text that almost certainly would not have been visible on over terrestrial broadcast on a 90s TV, patient Carter Jacob. Ah, that is a little sloppy. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Dylee Abydos, <laughs> which they didn't do this time. No, okay. Dialing Abydos would be worse if on the dialing computer it also said dialing colon Abydos. Yes. Like, and it, 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 it wasn't just flashing the symbols, you know? Because, you know, because they're, because they're, they're, they're cutting to the dialing computer every other episode. Yeah. So. It would have been so easy to just do a whole bunch of different random symbols. Just do them all at once and then just, yeah. No one's so, going to notice if you reuse it every 20 times. Right. Well, someone will, but... Yeah. So, speaking of the dialing computer... Mm-hmm. Sir, we're about to lose the computer. The heat. And then, yes, and... We need them. <laughs> that was such a weird thing for her to say. Like, he turns to Sam, hoping for a suggestion, and she's just like, nope, we need the computer. Like, thanks, Sam. Speaking of the heat... That iris cooled down very quickly. It did, but... They couldn't, like, crack a window? Um. They're deep inside the mountain. Yeah. We later find out they had to get the gate into the mountain somehow. What do you think the little alien guy's doing down there? But even without that, we just saw, two episodes ago, that there are shafts. There's vents. Like, yeah, ventilation or access shafts that go pretty deep down. I'm talking about shafts, yo. Just open some doors, get some big fans. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not going to fix the problem, but it could buy you 10, 15 degrees. Yeah. I I do wonder how much the cold water was actually doing. I guess a little. It wasn't cold water, it was liquid nitrogen. Oh, was it? The tank said liquid nitrogen. Okay. Well, I guess that did a little more than cold water. Yeah. They have a lot of liquid nitrogen. I'm confused by how much liquid nitrogen they had on hand, like, how that did, quickly. How did it stay liquid between the nozzle and the gate? 
It's really very cold. I guess. I have no idea. This is not my job. In all that heat, though, Martuf and Teal'c did not sweat. Just symbiote things, I guess. I guess. So the last two things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. One, I'm just imagining the other side of the gate at the end of the episode when Teal'c carries Apophis, who did not have to put on his own burial shroud. <laughs> Crossing the streams there. <laughs> when Teal'c... <laughs> Carries Apophis to the gate and like floats him through. I'm just imagining like Apophis going thwap. Yes. On the other side. Yeah. <laughs> like, would he get all the way through until like just the last bit of fabric is through and then like fall like in a cartoon? Or is he like, how does the reintegration work in this instance? Like, because, like, your momentum is maintained. Like, if you, like, leap through the wormhole, then on the other side, you're also leaping through. It's not like, like you reappear standing up or anything. So he would, like, slowly, yeah, slowly come through in the air, and then as soon as he's the whole way through, thunk. Okay, so you're saying that he definitely would not, like, start falling or folding or anything like that until he was all the way through? No, because I think that the wormhole, it sort of holds it in place until it goes the whole way through. Because you'll notice, okay. when, once he went into the wormhole, Teal'c was no longer holding him. Teal'c was just pushing him. Right. Yeah, you're right. And that's when Martuf tells us that Sokar will just bring him back and torture him some more. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the room, including Teal'c, which kind of makes my next point hard to fully justify. Um, not justify, but I don't know. Anyway, um, has this like weird expression on their face. Because Martuf is like, well, surely he deserves it. And I feel like the rest of the people in the room had kind of like come to terms with the idea that maybe sometimes some people just simply deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're like in favor of capital punishment writ large, just the idea that it's like, you know what? Maybe the universe is in fact better off with him being dead. And now all of a sudden, this idea that it's like they could just. Like, the idea that this terrible person, that they're completely comfortable with not being in the universe anymore, and even so far as the idea that, like, Jack said he should have shot him, Daniel threatened to kill him, Teal definitely wanted to kill him, mm-hmm. that all of them were then like, oh, he's going to get brought back and then tortured back to death and brought back and then tortured back to death? I'm less comfortable now. It, t- it takes a little bit of the gravity of the episode away, we learned that at the end. Because a big theme of this episode is Apophis is dying. And now we find out Apophis isn't really dead. Yeah, I guess maybe they were ho- like definitely hoping to save Apophis as a, like, a big bad again later. Spoiler alert, they do. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they could have spent a minute in that episode, or less, just to say, well, yeah, sure, you gave him back to Sokar, but he had a sarcophagus, guys. Why didn't you think of this? Mm-hmm. I, and I feel like this, honestly, I had forgotten that they actually straight up say that he's going to get re- resurrected at the end of this episode. I thought that it was supposed to be this dramatic reveal in um, Jolinar's Memories, the name of the episode, uh, when we find out that Apophis is still alive. Because mm. I don't always watch this one. When I rewatch, um, so that's why, I, and I had forgotten that. Yeah, they, they they straight up say it, and I feel like they shouldn't have. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you, and I think you're right. I think that it did 
detract from the gravity situation a little bit by making it like super duper clear. It's like, well, yeah, sure, he's dead now, but give it five minutes. Yeah. I would say, though, that, I mean, in general, it was a pretty decent episode. Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it more, like, going into it, like, based on the blurb or the whatever, I was expecting to like it less. Mm. I think because I thought it was a clip show. Yeah. And I thought Peter Williams, especially as Apophis, did a really good job. Well, I love Peter Williams as Apophis. I also love that his Twitter handle is actual Apophis. Yes. <laughs> because that's just awesome. He knows what his like like most famous role is. That's true. I'm sure I have seen him in other things, but I couldn't immediately name another Peter Williams role that I've seen. Oh, no, not at all. But like in the same way that like Carrie Elwes had like Although I saw, like, Carrie Elwes is in an episode of Psych, we all know where we know Carrie Elwes from. I like that Carrie Elwes just loves telling oh, fans yeah. the line. As you wish. Well, I'm out of notes. And I was out of notes a while ago. Okay. Well, then we're done talking about this week. Catch us again next week where we'll be talking about false steps. False step? One false, One false step. step. You can join us next week. <laughs> that was your false step right there. <laughs> yes, it was. Take us out. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this, you should also check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. You can find and review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. And that's our show. Yeah. Yeah.